Welcome to the ReChurch Podcast. This is Tyler Armstrong, the student pastor at 12th Street Baptist Church in Rambosity, Alabama, with our lead pastor, Thomas Winborn. We are asking the question, how can we become the church that Jesus intended? Shalom, my friends. Hope everybody is doing good. Did you just say shalom? I did just say shalom. <laughs> nice. For those of you who are not Jewish or speaking Hebrew, that means peace to you. <laughs> peace of the Lord be upon you. Oh, wait, I'm in Thomas's office. What's up, Thomas? How you doing, What's man? What's up, man? Man, I'm doing okay. Been a weird few weeks for it's us. because I've been out of town. Yeah, dude, it's been weird, man. And you guys went through some stuff. Yeah, man, personal family stuff, but we on the other side of it, and so let's talk about today's topic. Started off with some questions. So, Thomas, since you came up with these questions, a couple of them, yeah. why don't you give us the first one? So, what, what's your favorite place to vacation? I'm just coming off vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually had a training in Mobile, and I took my family down, and they got to vacation while I did the training, and then I spent a couple of days with them doing that. And then we came back for like a week, went back down for our planned vacation, uh, in Panama City. So tell me, what's your favorite place to vacay? And this is pretty awesome because I'm actually about to go on vacation. And so a um, little short weekend trip. But it's not your favorite place to it's go. It's not my favorite place to go. I actually, I'm a hot take here in a minute. But anyway, um, give me a beach. I don't care what beach it is. It could be Panama City Beach. It could be Spring Valley Beach. I'm joking. Don't take me to Spring Valley Beach. I need <laughs> sand and ocean. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and, and the reason I say that is like... My son, and I mean, you can get on Facebook and like see this. The kid is a little like, I mean, he he's a little beach bum, man. Like he loves the beach, loves yeah. the ocean. Like I mean, he just like when we go, he doesn't like. He gets mad when we take him to the pool. Mm. Now I mean, granted, he's only you know nineteen months, twenty months, so that could change. Yeah, it'll change. but man, any beach, we love it, man. Yeah, I mean, love it. And so well, we're, we're a beach just, family too, man. I put down Splash Resort, Panama City Beach. Not mm-hmm. because I love Panama City. I mean, it is the Redneck Riviera I grew up on, so I'm real familiar with it's it. It's not the Redneck Riviera anymore. But yeah, it's not. It's way more commercialized. And I we're on the far end at Splash. It's got like all the different pool stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. it's got like the the jungle gym water thing going on park. It's thing got here. a it's got a really nice water park. You actually recommended yeah. it to us, yep. and we went. We took Brooks to it, and Brooks yeah. loved it. Yeah, I mean, he great. loved it. And so it has like a little kid little water park, a mm-hmm. toddler tyke like splash pad it has a lazy river it's got all stuff i got a bone to pick with splash oh, yeah. why is that one not in the shade have you ever noticed that? yeah the, i know yeah, it's yeah, in the, the shade the, in the afternoon yeah but like the kitty pool one like like that's where brooks wanted to yeah. play like during the day and i'm like yeah no, i don't know why there's no shade it was an add-on oh, yeah i was like man what yeah. come on man but uh, we, we love the beach yeah. though man but i can tell you what, i get tired of the beach so I get tired of the beach for this reason. I don't like sitting there doing nothing. So oh, I have man. to be doing something. I can't just be sitting on the beach getting a tan. I need to be snorkeling or diving for like sand dollars yeah. or going skiing like or like wave runners That's or go sailing or something like that. That's so I'd valid. rather get on the jetties and go snorkeling. Yeah, see for me, man, like, I don't know what's up with that, but like my my personality just shuts off when I enter like into the city limits of wherever our beach is. Like I'm serious. Like I could sit there and fish. And just sit there. We see you fish though. But then, but then, but on top of that, I can just sit there and just read a book. I can just sit there. Man. I can read a book if my kids allowed me to read a book. Yeah, doesn't happen though. I understand. And yeah. so my, my my son, I mean, there's no reading books when my son's around. But now they're. Yeah. But at the same time, man, I I don't know, man. My seven just turns off. Like I'm serious. My Instagram seven just shuts off, and I well, just chill. If this is the case, what's your next adventure? Oh, dude, my next adventure is going to the Smokies with my wife for our anniversary. So that we is actually not the beach. All right, here's my hot take, y'all. I cannot stand the mountains. <laughs> All right. My wife loves the mountains. You live in the foothills of the Appalachians. <laughs> I know, dude. I can't stand it. Um, I'm just, I'm not a mountain guy. Like, I, I don't know. I, I just don't get it, man. 
I just don't get it. I remember I was telling them a couple years ago, I had a student who looked at me while we were at Gatlinburg for a youth trip because that's where all youth trips go. It's like, yeah. youth, just like youth. Especially in January. It's like student ministry. It's January. like student ministry mecca. Um, I was called a ministry in the mountains. But anyway, um, this kid looked at me and said, hey, I'm going to tell you this. Dolly World is better than Six Flags. And I said, insane statement. I was like, dude, like that is the worst hot take I've ever heard in my life. Like, get out of the car. <laughs> um, but no, so we're at, so we're actually going to Smokies. Uh, I'm going with my wife. Um, I'm really excited that we've been together 10 years this year. Yeah, it's awesome. And so um, it's crazy to me that yeah. you and your wife have been married. The ex- we've been together. Yeah, been together. We've yeah. been together the exact same amount of time that me and my wife have been married. Yeah. And so, yeah, me and my wife, yeah. we started dating in 2010. And so. No. Yeah. It's 2010, 2010, yeah. yeah it's yeah. 2010. We got married in 2009, so. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, 11 years. Yeah, yeah, 11 years. So, yeah, so, yeah. But yeah, we started, I was a senior, she was a freshman, and so yeah, yeah. We, we didn't get to really celebrate that because of just life happenings. And right. so, like, we were like, hey, we're going to push it back to this weekend. And it actually timed out perfect by the providence of the Lord. So we're really excited just to get to go celebrate that. Good. My next you? adventure, uh, I've got a planned trip to go on a multi-night motorcycle ride. Where at? I don't know. That's my kind of trip, man. Yeah, like, I, I like. I, I have no clue where I'm going. We're gonna we're camp. Going. We're gonna ride. And uh, if I had an off-road bike, we'd be doing off-road. But we're gonna be doing uh, on-road, just riding right now. A friend of mine's gonna help like plan it out, and then we're gonna camp and Do you know get up and ride again. Nope, like like two nights, three days. Oh, okay. I was I was thinking I was like, man, y'all need to go to like, Montana or something. That'd no, we'll probably leave on like a Thursday and come back on Saturday. Got you. Okay, yeah. so so it's not like a. Like, no. Okay, so it's not like you're going to like Sturgis or not anything that like far. That I don't really want to be. Be honest with you, I'd rather ride on dirt. Or ride off road somewhere yeah. than I would ride on pavement. Like just riding the roads, not very fun to me. It's, it's fun riding motorcycle. If you got to ride somewhere, yeah. Like if I've got to come to work, I want to come on my motorcycle. But mm-hmm. if I, I'd rather be like, uh, you know, crashing through streams and and going up rocks and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. So now this next question, this is a really funny one. Me and me and Thomas were sitting there like, dude, what what third question could we ask? And literally we looked at each other. We we're like, man, let's talk about like let's talk about like our favorite kind of meat. And then like at the same time as like. What's your favorite cut of steak? Yeah. I mean, it was like, we're throwing this on there. So, Thomas, what's your favorite cut of steak? So, I live in a house where my wife doesn't really care if she eats meat or not. And I could, I would have a hard time, like, enjoying many meals without meat. Uh, and I would say that my favorite cut of steak, just in general, across the board, and I could, we argued for different times, different places, but yeah. just across the board, go to is a ribeye. Mm-hmm. A good, thick, at least inch thick ribeye. And I want it cut, like, marbled well yeah and i want it medium i like medium i'll go medium rare in between medium rare and medium yeah where i'll go i don't want any more than medium though yeah i mean anything more than medium you're eating charcoal i mean carbon yeah like you know what i'm saying like like you're eating pure carbon like you're just eating the most popular element in the universe all that good juice and flavor is gone it's gone like you've wasted a piece of meat but you you uniquely said that you would do what with the steak oh so i like new york strip first off i love a new york strip um it's just always, it's just always been the cut of meat that I've always enjoyed. I like. I mean, honestly, give me any steak yeah, I'm devouring. You know what I'm saying? If you're listening to this. We will eat any steak you like, want to eat. Man, throw me a top sirloin. You know, like I mean, I mean, I don't care what it is. I like want those thin top sirloins from Walmart. You know what I'm talking about? Like about four bucks for. Don't a overcook that bad boy. No, no, dude. <laughs> you, you you flip that thing over for a minute and it's done. You know. But for me, so I put medium rare. For my cut, honestly though, y'all, like I'm gonna be real with you, I used to eat my steaks medium well. I really did. I seriously, I used to do. And then I started, I started dating my wife, and we went to my well, my wife loves steak, and she ordered. She goes, I want my medium rare, and I was like, 
what in the world? And then that day, my eyes were open. The scales fell from my eyes. <laughs> and y'all, I'm gonna be like, I went to Angelo's Steakhouse in Panama oh, City we Beach talked one about time. Angelo's down last week, dude. Yeah. Man, I love Angelo's. I went to Angelo's Steakhouse one time, and me and my dad, we walked forever to get there, and we got there right before it closed. And we ordered our steaks medium rare, and they came out, and they were like borderline cold. Yeah. Y'all, that was the best steak I've ever had. I would eat a steak rare, but it's a kind of offensive to some people because like they're so bloody. I think if so, you're paying thirty dollars for a steak, you get it the way you want it. No, dude, well, I mean, I'm talking like I mean, it's me and you, man. I'm not gonna, but like my mom, I have to be so careful about the way I eat my steak around her because like she's in there, like <laughs> she just stares straight ahead while she's eating the steak because she's like, no, oh, that's good. My mom eats steaks well done, like like hamburger, like <laughs> yeah. like a hamburger steak even. Yeah, well done. I'm running that too. Yeah. All right, so man, so what's a book you'd like to? Re- oh my gosh, I can't even talk. What's a book you'd like to recommend? So this is a book that uh, I, I would say that everybody would probably get something out of this read, but it's specifically for one set of people, and uh, it's called Rid of My Disgrace, Rid of My Disgrace, Hope and Healing for Victims of Sexual Assault Man. by Justin and Lindsay Holcomb. And um, they came out of the Seattle Growing Church phase like a decade ago, and um, it's a fantastic book about um, how to deal with and live with um, sexual assault. Yeah. Um, and it's really, really good book. And then they also have a kid's book out that, that actually goes along with this. It teaches kids how to protect their bodies and how to re- think about their bodies in a gospel centered way. Nice. Uh, a really good book. You can read along with your kids. I had a, I, I just Googled him because I was like, man, where's the name? And he, he wrote the books, the, the know the creeds, know the heretics, yeah. which are really yeah, good really church good. history books. Yep. Yep. Um, he's actually Episcopalian. Did you know that? No, no, no. You're thinking the wrong dude. Probably. Is that, are you, are you sure? Justin and Lindsay Holcomb? Well, they might've gone Episcopalian. They weren't at the time. Yeah. He's a Episcopal priest and theology professor at Reformed Theological Seminary and Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary. He's on wow. the Gospel Coalition. So yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah well, that, that's probably him then. I mean, yeah. I had, he was an Episcopalian when I was reading his stuff originally. Oh, nice. Yeah. So he's Episcopalian. He moved over that way. Congratulations. Yeah, it's a really good book about how to basically, how does the gospel help us to find hope and healing for sexual assault? Yeah. And on top of that too, man, I mean like. Just to just go off a little bit of a rabbit trail, that's a very like pressing topic in today's sure. culture. Sure. Because we're finally having women who are brave enough and I mean so much courage to come out and speak out against it because so many times we've like shut women up. I mean, like, yeah. you know, the culture was like, No women, you can't speak up. But now, especially in the in the Me Too culture, you know, it's you need to speak up about these well, things. Well, the disgrace and the shame makes people want to hide and that's yeah. the real problem. And then the the, the the counter to that is I think the extreme pendulum swing is for people to come out and ver- verbalize it, vocalize it, and say it publicly, like, oh, I was assaulted, I went through this. And then they kind of wear that as a badge of honor. Yeah. And that leads to the same place. It leads to loneliness, isolation. It leads to um, finding your hope in something that will not satisfy again. And so this book helps to bring it all back to the gospel. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's, that's, that's an incredible book. I'm, I'm about to order it. And so um, here's the one that I'm going to recommend. I actually did this for the first time ever a few weeks ago in worship. Um, I think the last Sunday that I was here. Um, I read a prayer from the Valley of Vision. That's good. Um, the Valley of Vision is a book of Puritan prayers um, by Arthur Bennett. Um, Thomas actually has two copies, so he'll give you one. Um, it's a great, just it's just a book full of different prayers um, from Puritans. Now, the thing I would recommend everyone to do if you buy this book is to go to Joe Thorne's website. Joe Thorne's a pastor that me and Thomas really like uh, from, um, I think he's from Illinois. Yeah, he's from mm-hmm. Illinois. Um, he has a book, a, a reading guide called Walking Through the Valley that he wrote in 2010. I have it ta- I have it cut out, print, and taped in the front of my book. And you do three Valley of Vision prayers a day, and you can do it in 30 days. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. And so, like, there's like prayers of lament. There's prayers of repentance, prayers of worship. And it's just, I mean, obviously it's dated. But, you know, I mean, when I used it for worship, you know, I took the words and modernized them and all this. Yeah, and it yeah. was just, I mean, 
for me, it was just a really cool call to worship moment. And so I think I'm going to start trying to, you know, do that some when we, when I, when I do to the scripture reading call to worship. And so I would highly recommend that book. Sure. So today, so since Thomas is coming off a of vacation and I'm actually about to go into a short little weekend trip, uh, we're going to talk about the idea really, I'm going to go ahead and say it, the spiritual practice of Sabbath. Yep. Um, this is something that honestly, our culture does not do at all. I'm just yeah, going to say, true. I was going to say they don't do, they don't do well. They don't do it all. Well, people don't understand what a Sabbath is. No. And, and, that hurts it. And on top of that too, I think that so many times, like, you know, I've got friends of mine that like in the theological world, they're like, Jesus is my Sabbath. And I used to say that as an excuse to not rest. Well, Jesus sure. is my Sabbath rest, so I don't have to rest. I'm yeah. resting in Jesus. Well, I really wasn't in all honesty. And so it really went until I kind of went through like a really spiritual breakthrough kind of like at fall of last year, I really understood what Sabbath was and made it a part of my weekly routine. And so what is Sabbath, Thomas? Can you like kind of break yeah, that down I mean, for so us? biblically speaking, I mean, we see Sabbath introduced in the very early parts of the Bible with Genesis where God created the world and on the seventh day he rested. And then that's passed down to us in Exodus 20 with the law. Yeah. And so the law there is pretty funny when you, when you look it up in Exodus 20, um, you know, it's not the first law. Uh, the first is uh, that you'll have no other gods before me and then you don't make any idols. And then the third is you don't take the name of the Lord in vain. And the mm-hmm. fourth is remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It's actually got the most amount of words yeah. you know, for any of the law here of the Ten Commandments. And he says this, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, or your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So we see that we're not supposed to to change any of that just because it's old testament jesus is the fulfillment of that okay yeah. we I mean, rest hebrews, in jesus he I mean, earned our way says yeah. that you know we have entered into a sabbath rest yes but that doesn't mean we don't still take time to sabbath and yeah. to rest yeah and it doesn't have I and mean, the thing is, is i think so many times people place emphasis on a day yeah you know it, do, it doesn't mean the sundays well the then people would argue that with you yeah you know i got friends that say that it's got to be on saturday uh-huh. You know, you got to take the Sabbath on Saturday. Or it's got to be Sunday. Yeah. You know, because and I, I think the biggest point of Sabbath is the point of the Sabbath is to say that God holds all things in His hand. He sustains all things. The point is to say, even if you stop doing everything you're doing right now, the world's still going to turn because mm-hmm. God's still holding it. Your life is still going to go on because God's still holding it. I make the statement often, and I've said it on here before, that if I were to die today, there will be somebody in the pulpit tomorrow. This is God's church. He makes it go. It's not on my shoulders to continue that. So we are commanded to Sabbath to remind us of our dependence, total dependence on the Lord. Yes. And so it doesn't mean you have to sit in this chair and do nothing. It means you do something other than work to maintain your sustenance. Mm-hmm. And you you relax, you be refreshed with the Lord, with family, do something fun, relax, do something like that. Um, but that that's kind of what the Sabbath is. I think, um, and one guy I'd highly recommend to read on, on just, you know, kind of like a good modern view of the Sabbath is uh, Mark uh, John Mark Homer. Yeah. And... Um, John Mark Homer and uh, Mark Sayers, both of those guys have great views on the Sabbath. Um, you can actually go to uh, Bridgetown Church, and they have great breakdowns of what that is. So why do we need Sabbath, Thomas? Well, for, like we just talked about, yeah. God rested. Uh-huh, so I mean, he gave us an example in yeah. Genesis. And we were made in his image, mm-hmm. and even God rested. But it's an important note Yes, that we're, I mean, as you stated. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I mean, we're not God. I mean, that's just it. And so... Even though the idea of God resting, you know, is, is you know, we're saying, okay, what does that mean? You can get to the theological implications of what God resting means. 
I mean, he ceased his creating work. He, yeah. he, he looked at his creating work and he said, it is finished. He enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, he enjoyed it, you know. Yeah. And so in the same way, we need to realize that we're not God. You know, we are not God. Victor Hugo, he's a French poet, has this uh, quote. And uh, Ray Ortland, once again, going back to Ray Ortland. Always uh, Ray. Ray <laughs> all roads lead back to Ray. Um, but, um, Ray Ortland has, posts this all the time on Twitter. Have courage for the great sorrows in life and patience for the small ones. And when you have laboriously accomplished your daily task, go to sleep in peace. God is awake. Yeah. And as somebody who's just like a workaholic, I mean, I'm just going to be real with you. Like, I'm a workaholic. I don't sleep. I mean, I, I, I struggle with the idea of rest yeah, because yeah. I want to stay up because I'm – I'm not accomplishing anything when I'm asleep. You I know what I'm saying? I feel like when I sleep, I'm wasting time. Yeah, that's me. I mean, yeah. But that's part of our dependence on the Lord. He mm-hmm. created us for that. He created us to spend a third of our time, resting. a third of our time resting in sleep. Yes. And then to give us a whole day out of the other seventh, the one seventh of our time total to resting and not working for our sustenance. Yeah. And, and, and you think about that. And then you think about our modern culture. You know, it's just not the way that we, that, that modern culture, especially since the industrial, I mean, the industrial revolution, you know, that's really, I mean, when you look back at the industrial revolution, you know, that that's when the eight hours a night sleep schedule came. Yeah. I mean, used to, people slept with the, when the sun came up and when it went down. So in the winter, you yeah. slept like 16 hours. I mean, like, like 12, yeah, to, 12 to 14 yeah, hours yeah. if you could. I mean, you would sleep a little bit, wake up in the middle of the night and then sleep, go back. You know, it was just the natural sleep with them. So we've changed that to be more efficient. But the thing is, though, is that in exchanging the Sabbath rest, we've actually exchanged God for the time clock. You know well, what I'm saying? Well, that's the thing. I mean, the ultimate thing here is that it's an obedience mm-hmm. thing. I mean, yeah, God it, says do it. Yes. And if you don't, you're disobedient. No matter how much you think you're above it, no matter how much you think you need to do this or do that, or your time is so valuable. If God, the king of the universe, says rest, you should rest. What's so mind blowing, and I think Comer pointed this out, John Mark Comer pointed this out, um, about the clock. The clock was created for prayers. Yeah. That, I mean, like, like, <laughs> and so, but now we feel so enslaved to it. I mean, you're constantly checking the clock, constantly checking to see what time it is. And that's one thing that was so freeing about when I started practicing Sabbath. And I mean, I, I'm not very good at it. I'm going to be honest with you, but when I started practicing it, I don't worry about the time. I just go, you know what? I'm just going to just rest today. I'm just going to spend time with my family. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read a book. I'm just going to just spend time with the Lord and realize that I am not God. And by doing that, man, it's freeing because you know what? Like you said, man, if if we were to go tomorrow, this church is still going to be standing. And so we are not the hinge point of this universe. We worship the one who is. And so that's why we rest. Yeah. I think part of the reason why God put it in there is because it's really good for our souls. Yeah. And it's good for those around us. Like I, I just got off of a one week vacation Mm -hmm. with my kids and I play with my kids often. I spend time with my kids often, but I don't usually get that kind of time with my kids like focused. And so I was able to spend like hours at a time focusing on each of my kids, groups of my kids and um, spending time with them just to focus on them. So, like, even a vacation, like, I planned longer than just a day, yeah. sp- spending some time away, downtime. I heard from an older gentleman who was a pastor of a mega church for a long time and also small churches. Um, he was also the president of Southern Baptist Convention at some point. And I asked him what were the two things he wished he could do differently. And one of them was that he would disciple more people um, personally. And two is that uh, he would basically spend more concerted time with his family man and um 
part of that came down to getting away. He, he said, here's what you should do. If you take a vacation, if you're a pastor and you take a vacation and you don't take two Sundays off in a row, you really didn't take a vacation because you're thinking about Sunday sermon. You're thinking yeah. about what's going on. You're never slowing down. And so I purposely put my phone down a lot. You may not have heard from me this last week very much yeah. if you were texting me or emailing me because I cut it off. I'm there to be with my family because that's what's good for me. That's how I will best care for this faith family. Um, and the same for all of us. No matter what job you have, you've got to take that time, downtime to spend with your family. So that gets them through those hard seasons. Yeah. You know, and they know that time is coming uh, and it's really good. And I think everybody should take an extended Sabbath, if possible, every several years in order to get healthy again, to yeah. be renewed and refreshed. I think it takes time away to get kind of that vision for, especially for yeah. leaders. That's really popular in the church. Um, and well, a what's lot popular of, in academic, yeah, yeah, in, in academia, academia yeah, sabbatical. for a long time, for, for me, yeah. for eons, it's been academic. Um, but it's also getting more popular in Fortune 500 companies. I read some articles in Forbes and Fortune the other day yeah. that talked about how they're encouraging CEOs to do a sabbatical if they've been in a certain number of years. Um, to do like a three-month, four-month sabbatical. That's neat. So, uh, yeah, something to be aware of. But all of us need to take a Sabbath rest yeah. weekly, need to rest regularly. You know, it's pretty funny that you talked about, you know, Fortune 500 companies. I was mind-blown in like the mid-2000s when Google, you know, started getting really big and all these things. They had nap pods inside their, inside their offices. They were encouraging their, like, their employees to take one, 30 minutes to one-hour naps. Yeah, because it increases productivity. Because we are not made to run the way that we do. Yeah. Like I mean, we're just not. Yeah. And companies are realizing this, but believers need to realize this even more and make it not just a day of where we just rest, just for the sake of resting. You're resting to worship. Like yeah. That's, I think it bo- goes back to worship, and that's. I mean, that's what I, when I'm hearing Thomas talking about spend time with his kids, man. He, I mean, he, he, in those moments, he's, I know it because, I mean, I'm sitting there watching your Facebook posts and all these things because you don't post a lot on Facebook, but yeah. you're like, man, praising God for this time in my family, praising yeah, God yeah. for, you know, look, you're, you look, I mean, you looked out of the storm at the beach, man, and you were like, you know, man, God can storm, God could still this. Jesus yeah. stilled the storm with one word of his mouth. You were in worship, bro. Like, yeah, I mean, dude. I saw that, yeah. you know, I could, and I mean, I mean, you didn't talk a lot. I mean, I, I called you when, um. I called you when I when I had to go underneath my house because there was a uh, a massive <laughs> leak underneath my house at midnight and uh, and yeah. so I called you and was like bro like, let me just can, you guys second yeah. talk I'm sorry to interrupt <laughs> your vacation but you got a second <laughs> so um, yeah. but in in all reality we rest to worship yeah. and and to give God glory and so well, we also I'm, we yeah. also do this man it's just recognizing that that we don't carry ourselves through the day. And then we don't care ourselves through the weeks and months and the hard times of life. I mean, my kids, when we told them we were going on vacation, uh, two of them began sobbing, like because they were so relieved they could, they could leave the house. I mean, this this season has been really hard. So, taking some time to have downtime, even if it means just getting in a different area, a different place, so that you can be reminded, okay, God, you're still in control. Yeah. You own this. You own me. You purchased me on the cross. You own my family. You love them more than I love them. Let me depend on that. Yeah. Let me rest in that truth. God, and you that are is enough. so good for our souls. I mean, you are yeah. enough. Yeah. And that's what rest says. And that's good for your family to see that you're willing to lay those things down and rest and trust the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it really says, are you trusting the Lord or are you not? That's that's where it's at. Yeah. I mean, and, and once again, tonight, go to sleep because God is awake. I mean, I mean, that's my, that's been my thing. Go to sleep. God is awake. I've I've had like raging insomnia for the past like two weeks, <laughs> but at the same time, just laying there resting, knowing that God is literally making all things work together for our good, because yeah. we are called according to His purpose. Yep. So that's what Romans eight says, and then we're gonna close on that thought. So y'all find time to rest, find time to Sabbath. Um, we would encourage you if you need help doing that. 
uh, let me and Thomas know. Let you know, reach out to the church, man. We can gladly, you know, coach you through that and walk you through some of the rhythms of, you know, some of the rhythms of grace that we've pursued, trying to see how to try to see how we can make this work in our lives. So tune in next week to the Rechurch Podcast. Peace out.